In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents... Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop story. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny... One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Politically Georgia podcast, where we bring you news and analysis of all the latest Georgia shenanigans in Congress and under the Gold Dome. I'm your host, Greg Bluestein, and today I'm joined by my colleague, Tamar Holleran, AJC's Washington correspondent in the swamp, to discuss the results of a new AJC Channel 2 Action News poll. How's it going, Tamar? Hey, it is not so swampy here these days. It's gotten quite chilly. Thank you very much. There you go. And, and we're dealing with the aftermath of Hurricane Michael here. So it was quite chilling and windy um, uh, over the last couple of days in Georgia as well. Uh, well, we've got a, another, our second of three polls uh, right before the November election that looks at not just Stacey Abrams and Brian Kemp's race for governor, but also Trump's approval ratings and some down ticket races. Uh, so we've got some interesting things to chew over tomorrow. Exactly. And and let's dive right in. The, the thing that struck me, kind of continuing the trend that we saw from our first poll back in September, is just how small of a field Abrams and Kemp are fighting over. Um, whereas before I wanted to say it was close to 10% undecided voters, now we're down to a super slim 4% who say they're undecided. Yep. Both both of them have, have truly consolidated their bases Um Republicans are overwhelmingly lining up behind Brian Kemp. Democrats are overwhelmingly lining up behind Stacey Abrams. Folks in the middle have have are starting to make up their minds as well. Stacey Abrams is winning more independents than Brian Kemp and more moderates than Brian Kemp. But Brian Kemp still has, uh, you know, that core conservative uh, voters in Georgia who are helping him to a forty eight to forty six percent lead over Stacey Abrams. Well, now. Just keep in mind that is within the poll's margin of error of of, um, of error of about two point eight percentage points. Um, so it's still statistically too close to call, but but um, you know it is, it is a very close race. And in general, this is kind of falling in line with a lot of polls that we've seen recently, both our poll in September and a lot of other polls that we've seen uh, reported from other news outlets recently. Um, Something that I did really want to zero in on about this poll specifically is that these are the first numbers we're seeing, at least on our end, since the Brett Kavanaugh confirmation hearings and since, um, you know, that big blockbuster hearing with Dr. Christine Blasey Ford. Um, and, and what was interesting here, um, there was not a Brett Kavanaugh question in this poll, but, but something very interesting that I think Kemp's people will be quite pleased about is that there, there was a slight uptick in approval for President Donald Trump. He especially won a few extra points among women. 
And I can't help but wonder if part of that has to do with with these hearings and a lot of Republican disgust with the way that that Brett Kavanaugh was treated. I think that could be a good sign for Kemp's folks. Would you agree with that? Yeah, this is. Trump's disapproval rating has, has remained steady at about 50 percent. So, you know, uh, uh, about half to a majority of Georgia voters still have a negative view of the president. But his approval rating has jumped up four percentage points from the last time we did the AJC poll. The last poll showed it 41 percent. Um, he's closer to 45 percent now, uh, which shows we we can't narrow in on exactly the reason, but we know that the biggest thing that's changed since since September and now what were those very fraught, very controversial Kavanaugh hearings. And at first, there was a lot of excitement, a lot of talk about Democrats getting energized and Democrats getting more mobilized. And that might be true, but Democrats already were very energized and mobilized. Republicans, Republican leaders long said that they needed something to get to give them a sense of momentum, to give them a sense of, of energy. Um, and they feel like this gave, this Kavanaugh hearing gave, gave their voters that sense right before the election. Exactly. I was in Forsyth County when I was uh, in Georgia last week and and talking to Republican voters there. A lot of them said they were just so angry. A lot of them were not very enthused going into the year. And and party leaders were telling me that that all of a sudden they had all these people coming up to them saying, I'm angry um, and I'm going to go to the polls now and support Republican candidates for, for Congress and for, for statewide office. Um, this could be a double-edged sword, though, the, the Kavanaugh hearings, because all of a sudden we saw Abrams pick up quite a bit of support from independents. I believe she got a six or seven percent bump from them. So that must be kind of frightening for, for the Kemp campaign, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting to, to always keep in mind that Abrams' strategy um, and her folks, when they see this, when they look at this poll, will say, that's great. And, and among the general election electorate, you know, that means they're doing very well because they're tied with Brian Kemp. But they believe that they want to expand the electorate. Their entire campaign strategy revolves around doing just that, getting other left-leaning voters who usually vote in presidential elections but rarely vote in these midterms, getting them engaged in this election. Her entire election strategy is is hinged on getting left-leaning voters who rarely show up to vote to, to, to cast ballots in these midterm elections. And that's why they might not show up in these polls. That being said, they also have to be confident about some of the numbers. Now, this, this poll only showed a small portion of, of, of quote-unquote, independent voters. About 10% of the poll was independent, were, were composed of independent voters. But she had a dominating lead over, over Brian Kemp among independents. And she also led Brian Kemp among moderate voters. Um, so that's a good sign for her campaign. Then again, Brian Kemp's campaign believes if it just can get the core Republicans in Georgia to turn out, he'll be in good shape. Exactly. And looking at our numbers, both of them have seemed to have, have really um, consolidated support among their bases, as you mentioned, more than 90% on, on both sides. So um, they seem to have locked that down pretty well. At the same time, we've still got a, a very stark gender gap in Georgia. But the AJC poll showed that Trump's approval rating increased notably among likely female voters. Only 35% of women said they approved of the president last month. That's now up to 41%. Um, so that, that shows you, too, among w women, and particularly white women, Trump's, Trump's image is starting to look a little better. 
Exactly. When I was out talking to Republican voters last week in um, in the North Atlanta suburbs, um, a lot of them had mentioned this idea of, of you know, innocent until proven guilty. They, they really feel like Brett Kavanaugh was not given a fair shake. And I feel like that's galvanized a lot of people. There's some who are, are worried about their sons and their, their husbands, something potentially happening to them, like what happened to, to Kavanaugh. And so that could be driving this, this uptick in support among women. We also polled how the voters felt on some of the key issues in the race. And there are some really interesting findings here. So Abrams, who has long declared herself the public education governor, um, narrowly leads Kemp by about four percentage points among voters who were asked who they trust more to deal with public education. Um, so that that's a sign that her message, which is a, has been a, a a, a promise to make teacher pay more competitive and to end private school um, scholarship organizations, basically a, a, a form of tax credits for private school, for, for students who go to private schools, to end those and to funnel that money into expanding Medicaid. That's a sign that that might be resonating with voters. Yeah, exactly. And and that's been one of the top issues consistently as we've been polling, um, just asking voters that the kind of top issues for them this year, the economy has has been the, the number one issue, but public education not very far behind. And at the same time, Kemp, who has really tried to burnish a pro-business reputation, he tops Abrams by a pretty wide margin, 49% to 42%, with voters ask whom they trust the most to bring jobs to Georgia. And uh, that's one of the reasons that's interesting is Stacey Abrams at, at every turn has has tried to uh, every meeting in front of in front of business leaders and corporate executives and so on has tried to say that um, Brian Kemp's support of religious liberty would hurt Georgia's pro business reputation. Um, well, at least in this poll, he seems to have the edge with voters among on on economic issues. Yeah, and and both of them have kind of. Um, tried to pay lip service to the legacy of Governor Deal here. Um, and he's consistently pulled pretty highly in our polls, particularly when it comes to issues like the economy. Um, so it's interesting that, that the two of them have both vowed to keep a lot of the same uh, key economic programs that, that Deal has really put into place. Um, but, but still, voters are really breaking with Kemp here. And two other issues that, that show a more even split, and these are interesting as well. The, the first is health care. Um, and Stacey Abrams has made has put expanding Medicaid at the center of her platform for governor. She points to polls, including previous AJC polls, that showed a wide margin of Georgia voters support expanding the program. Um, Brian Kemp opposes it. He says it's too costly in the long run. And just a few weeks ago, uh, came out with his healthcare platform. Well, voters are essentially divided between Kemp and Abrams when asked the question, which candidate would would best deal with healthcare? I, I, I was kind of um, I was kind of uh, surprised by that. Yeah, uh, Abrams, especially lately, uh, really was because we didn't see Brian Kemp's healthcare plan, or, or at least the the details of it until kind of recently. Abrams people were, were really messaging on this idea. We don't even know what Kemp wants, um, and and since we have seen in some polls that that the majority of Georgia voters want to expand Medicaid, you would think that that would put a lot of people in Stacey Abrams' corner, right? Yeah, I I just I, I wonder if. If even though it was late in the game, I wonder if the camp he's starting to talk about his healthcare platform and his support for some sort of waiver program that would that would give more federal money not to Medicaid but to the Affordable Care Act overall and to, to helping to subsidize private insurance premiums. Uh, if, if that's done a little bit to help his, his numbers, but either way, they were they were within the margin of error. And the other issue we asked voters on 
and this is not as surprising, but there was also within the margin of error was which candidate will best deal with, uh, will, will best, quote, stand up for people like you. Um, so you can see a lot of sort of a polarizing debate um, forming in the Georgia electorate. And for voters who want people who, who can stand up for their values, well, they're, they're evenly split between Abrams and Kemp. Yeah, that, that kind of makes sense, given our, our top line kind of showing the two candidates neck and neck. You'd assume somebody would be uh, deciding to support a candidate who do, who they do think reflects their, their own values. One thing that was kind of interesting on this poll, you know, the, the gubernatorial race looks pretty neck and neck. But the LG race, it seems like the Republican Jeff Duncan seems to really be opening up a lead. Yeah, actually, for the LG race and the Secretary of State race. Now, in the Lieutenant Governor's race, it's between Jeff Duncan, a former state rep, and Sarah Riggs Amico, a, uh, a first-time candidate and, and a business uh, executive. Um, Duncan leads Amico 45% to 39% with about 15% undecided. So there's still a, a large swath of undecided voters who have not even come close to tuning into that race. Um, but it does speak to the traditional power of just having the R next to your name in, in still in Georgia, because, uh, you know, of course, Republicans have, have dominated state politics now for almost two decades. And so Jeff Duncan's kind of using that uh, early to, to build himself an advantage. Yeah, I think that that's especially true um, given the, these kind of uh, lower level statewide races where where these candidates don't have as much name ID among voters. Having that kind of generic R versus D next to your name can really you know provide a boost. And that's something where we're also seeing similar numbers in the Secretary of State's race between Brad Raffens- Raffensperger and, and John Barrow. We have uh, Raffensperger leading about 41% to Barrow's uh, roughly 37%. Yeah, so that's a little closer to the margin of error, but it still gives Raffensperger a, a, a lead. And that's an interesting race, too, because John Barrow has represented a, a, a big portion of East and Southeast Georgia um, for a long time in Congress. And for a while, he was the last white Democrat in in the Deep South in the U.S. House. Uh, and he built himself a pretty centrist record and moved to Ath- moved from Athens to Augusta to Savannah. So he's he's lived in three of Georgia's bigger cities. Um and he's trying to run a very – he's taking a very centrist approach to this race, not really talking about any cultural or social issues, instead talking about the need for impartial redistricting. And you know, with the job like Secretary of State that does oversee the state's elections, you'd think that it would always be about sort of neutral issues, but it really hasn't been. We've seen past candidates for this race talk about guns and abortion and just a, a whole slew of social debates. Uh, and and, and Barrow is trying to steer clear of those those issues. Um, but again, just like in the lieutenant governor's race, there is there is a big chunk of undecided voters who have not yet tuned into that race either. So there's room for movement for both of those candidates. Yeah. And even though Barrow is, is well known kind of in, in portions of eastern Georgia, he might not be as well known in, in metro Atlanta, where where many <laughs> there's quite a few votes. So I think there's there's room for all of these candidates to build out their name ID. At the same time, though, we're getting closer and closer to Election Day. There's a ton of competition among candidates to get up on TV, to run their ads, to boost their name ID. Well, now it's getting more and more expensive for these candidates. And if, if you're a lower level candidate who struggled with fundraising, you know, you might get drowned out in all of that. Exactly. And, and remember, at the, just at the top of the ticket alone, we've got candidates who just raked in $10 million plus over the last three months. This race is now costing $55 million plus, by far the most expensive 
uh, gubernatorial contests in state history. And already the airwaves are plastered with ads for both of the candidates and outside groups. I've heard now of down ticket candidates, public service commissioner candidates, um, filming TV ads. So expect to see just a lot more competition for voters' attentions. And there's going to be a lot more dirt slung. Um, we've heard a lot of things about spurious robocalls. And you know we'll, we'll see some flyers that allege all sorts of uh, foul and false things about all the candidates. Um, so that's something we'll also be watching for because in this last push, you know, it, it, unfortunately, it, it seems sometimes like anything goes. Exactly. And, and you know, we haven't even talked about all these independent groups coming in from Washington and New York and California and all around the country to, to try and influence these voices and, and or try, try and influence these voters. Um, and so I think we'll, you know, expect a lot in the next uh, few weeks. Exactly. And then one more note about this poll, just, just for uh, listeners who want the, want the background of it. It was conducted from September 30th to October 9th by the University of Georgia School of Public and International Affairs, included 1,232 likely general election voters who said they had voted in recent contests and that they were definitely or probably going to vote in November. So these are the people who we know are going to show up at the polls. What it doesn't reflect as much are the people who might be wavering and who might decide at the last minute to go show up at the polls. And um, both candidates, uh, Stacey Abrams, we've talked about, really is relying on, on those types of voters. But Brian Kemp is trying to galvanize uh, Republicans who might be you know, sitting this one out too, um, who, who might not like him, but who by, by saying that she is an extremist, a radical, all, all the sort of rhetoric you've heard from him over the last few weeks. Yeah. And in general, we've seen in our polls in past uh, election cycles for governor in particular, often the electorate does break Republican at the last minute. I remember um, reading back in our coverage of the governor's race in 2014 between Nathan Deal and Jason Carter, where the two candidates were tied uh, going into the fall in, in September, October, but Deal easily won that race. So so things, you know, that there might be people who uh, or a substantial amount of people who might not be picked up by polls like this. Yeah, I'll never forget that. I was on the the campaign bus with with Governor Deal. I guess it was the la- the, the week or so, ten days before the election, and um, his two of his top campaign aides came back to the back of the bus with a with a wide smile on their face. And I said, "What's up?" And they said, "We just we just won the race." And it was it was I couldn't report at the time. It was just kind of off the record chatter. Um, but they felt like that they had just seen poll numbers that showed the race was definitively breaking their way. The difference. That could be a. You know, this is a big one. Is that more and more voters are now voting early, and with early voting starting on Monday, um, Stacey Abrams and Democrats are trying to get as much energy and momentum going towards early voting as they can. So just in case I don't know something breaks um, uh, that, that could could be harmful to her campaign, well those votes are already cast. She doesn't have to worry about. It. Same thing with Brian Kemp, right? I mean he's he's going to be trying to push his people to to the polls as early as possible as well so that he doesn't have to worry about it in case um, you know something negative with Donald Trump happens the last couple of weeks of the race. One last stray thought that I you know, had based on the 2016 election that that could be really shifting the dynamic here. Um, you know, Trump supporters talk a lot about this idea of a silent majority, how a lot of the people who support Trump might not be paying attention or, or be as vocal um, in the lead up to the election, but they, they might they're going to turn out at the end and, and buoy the Republican candidate. At the same time, I, I've read stories, at least on a national level, with some high level Republican operatives being worried that that 
you know, because people learned to distrust the polls after 2016, that Republicans might think they have this in the bag um, and, and people might not show up at all. So I think there's a, a big fear of that. But the hope is that what happened with Kavanaugh will really galvanize folks and, and take them to the polls this November. And that's why it will be really interesting to see some of those numbers coming out as early as this week to see how early voting is helping to shape this contest. Because if we see a big surge in Democratic or Republican areas, it might not necessarily tell us who's going to win because a lot of those voters might not be new voters. They might, you know, they might have just been election uh, election day voters that are now voting earlier. Uh, but they will give us clues as to at least where turnout seems to be higher. Definitely. Well, Tamar, thanks for joining us as always. Thanks for having me. Enjoy that nice weather up there. You too. Well, that's all for this week's edition of the Politically Georgia podcast. Head to AJC.com forward slash politics to subscribe to Politically Georgia. You'll get access to our daily newsletter, along with all of our stories and updates on all things Georgia politics. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and rate us. It really means a lot to us when you do. And as always, thank you for listening. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, The Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com slash indictment newsletter.